It's the first Sunday in December. That means we are in Christmas season, in case you haven't noticed, right? So Christmas is a time filled with, uh, you know, Christmas songs on the radios, lights on the houses, trees popping up in homes, at least in my home, it's a big deal, it's a tradition. But Christmas is a time to remember that we were dead in our sins, meaning we had gone apart from God until God sent his son born of a virgin, a young virgin into the world. And, and as the one who would save us from the penalty of our sins, from going apart from God and make the way that you and me and us would have eternal life. So Christmas is fun. Christmas is festive. It's an inspirational time in our culture. And we at Cheer City Church, we want to jump right into the middle of all of that, right? Why leave any of it out? The lights, the trees, and of course, the Savior sent to the world. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be doing this series called Christ in the Christmas Tree to help us keep Christ at the center of the season and have a ton of fun. Now, how we're going to do this is we're going to look at the common symbols that are attached to the Christmas tree. We're going to show you how each one can help point you to Jesus, remind you of Jesus in one particular way or another, and help you keep Christ at the center of this Christmas season. Now, on December 24th, which is our special Christmas service, don't miss it. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be inspirational. It's going to be moving. Really, I encourage you to be there and to invite a friend. Now, today, we're going to kick things off, and we're going to look at the star that many of us put at the top of the Christmas tree. We used to have an angel. In my house, we now have a star. Got a nice star out there on the top of that Christmas tree in the lobby, huh? The lobby looks great, man, I know. Not what you expected, Santa Claus, reindeer, Christmas tree. Welcome to Chair City Church, huh? And Jesus, man, and Jesus. All day long, Jesus, right? So today, we want to show you how looking at the star that's on top of the Christmas tree can remind us of Jesus and to keep him the focus of the season. Now, I want to give you some background about the history of the star. Take a sip of coffee, hang in there. You see, God tells the Jews about Jesus through his prophets. Now, the Jews were God's chosen people. They knew God, and the prophets were people amongst the Jews that God would give a message to, to share with the people. Usually something about the future, often a warning, huh? And the Old Testament, which is the writings within the Bible that take place before Jesus was born, you have a lot of these prophecies. So the Old Testament would be about 5,000 years ago up to the birth of Christ, which is about 2,000 years ago. So you got 3,000 years and scattered about these 3,000 years at different points are these prophecies, meaning these predictions about who Jesus is going to be. Uh, to be specific about who the Messiah for the Jews is going to be. And each prophecy served as a piece of the puzzle that would kind of create this portrait, this picture of what the Messiah would look like, who the Messiah would be. Together they would reveal uh, where he was going to be born and, and the lineage of the family that he would come from. And it would tell us about the Jews, about his life, his death, and of course it would tell about his resurrection. And it would state that he is the one who would save the world from their sin and reconcile them to their heavenly father. Now, according to the Old Testament, the prophecy, there, would be the, there was this one prophecy that told about the Messiah 
and a sign that would, be, that would tell the world that he'd arrived, he had arrived on the scene. And this prophecy is found in Matthew, I mean, Numbers, I'm sorry, chapter 24, verse 17. And it says, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob, which is another word for Israel. A, a scepter will emerge from Israel. And a scepter is meaning a, a, someone of authority, a king will rise up. So we hear the prophet Balaam, about 2,500 years, give or take, before Christ is born, is telling us that there'll be this appearance of a star over Israel. And Israel will know that its ruler has come, that this is God's promised Messiah, the Savior had arrived to them. So the faithful, God-fearing, God-loving Jewish person would be hoping, who was hoping and looking for the coming of their Messiah, would know that the sign of a star in the sky over Israel would tip them off that their king had arrived. And not just any star, but a divine star. Hey, neighbor, you need a hand? I'm, I'm good, thanks. You got the star that'll guide Chris Kringle to your chimney. Good move, my man. Oh, uh, no, it's the uh, star, star of Bethlehem. Right, yeah, Bethlehem, North Pole. Same thing, right? Oh, nope, uh, no, uh, 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 sorry. It's the, uh, the star that, you know, the Magi. Right, Magi. What is the Magi? I found something on the web about emojis. Check it uh, out. Uh, the Magi? The, uh, the, the wise men who came to see the Messiah. The, the, the Christ? The, uh, Son of God. grow up to become Santa. No, no, no. He's gonna grow up and he's gonna pay for the sins of the world. Guess that'd be a pretty hefty price tag, huh? Hmm. Yeah. That's why it's called Christmas. Christmas. Well, I wish you would've told me all this before I spent my Christmas bonus and all that junk over there. Thanks a lot. Merry Christmas. No, hey, I... You look like my Santa! Alright, so many people put a star on top of their tree and, and they don't realize what it, you know, that this star is a sign from God that Jesus, the Savior of the world, had come. 
They might not even know that the star is directly related to the Magi or the what and the why about the Magi, how they came into the picture. I want to read with you from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So you see right there, King Herod, he missed Jesus. Worried about his position, his throne, his power, he misses Jesus. When he, King Herod, had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet, the prophet Micah, has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. The chief priests and the teachers, they missed Jesus as well. They're occupied and preoccupied with their religion, with their traditions, with their positions as well. And then Herod, verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So it's from this passage in the Bible that it became a tradition to put a star on top of the Christmas tree to remember that the star led the Magi to Jesus. And there's this kind of interesting, fascinating, I think, story behind that. How did the Magi even get into the picture in the first place? Now, it wasn't only the Jews that God revealed himself to for hundreds and hundreds of years. God was also telling the Gentiles, meaning the non-Jewish people, who the Magi were one of about his coming Messiah. See, God, we see God telling the Gentiles about Jesus through his servant Daniel. Take a sip of coffee, hang in there, right? You see, the Jews were once slaves in Egypt. And then God, through Moses, delivered them from the bondage of slavery. You might know the story, the Ten Commandments, Moses. And he brought them to this promised land. And you would think that the Jewish people, and having experienced this and telling their children of this, would love God and would be filled with gratitude and a continuous mode of gratitude and worshiping of God. And, and that kind of happened, but it was short-lived. And over the years and years, they drifted from God. They got distracted and occupied with things that had nothing to do with God that actually kind of undermined their relationship with God. And then it went further to a point where they now were worshiping false gods what the Bible tells us of false gods, turned completely from their, the one God. And so God over the years, and I mean decades and hundreds of years, is mercifully speaking to them, 
drawing them back to him, and they continually resist, rebel, and go to these false idols. And God says, you know, I love you. You're my children. Enough is enough. The time has come. And God now brings judgment on them. And at that point, when this happens, that promised land that Israel has actually divided itself. They've turned on themselves. And now you have this Israel is the north and Judah is the south. And in about, say, 600 B.C., give or take, the Babylonian Empire, attached to the sovereignty of God, invades Judah and takes the Jewish people that live there captive and bring them back to Babylon. And amongst those Jewish people is this young man named Daniel. He's a teenager. Daniel loves God. He remains faithful to God through the whole thing. And even though he's a teenager, and even though he's surrounded by immense influences that turn him from God, Daniel stays true to his God. You see, Daniel did not want to miss God because Daniel was expecting great things from God. We don't want to miss God this morning, and we want to expect great things from God. And God rewarded Daniel's faithfulness by exalting him to a prominent position in Babylon. And here's how it happened quickly. There's this king called Nebuchadnezzar. He's king of Babylon, and he could not sleep because he's having this terrible, frightening dream. It's disturbing to him. So he calls all the magicians and all the sorcerers and astrologers, which we know as the Magi, there in the land of Babylon. And he tells them, okay, listen, you need, one, you need to tell me what my dream is, and then two, you need to interpret it. He's a slick guy, right? Now, none of the king's magi could interpret the dream. So the king orders all of them killed. Nice guy. Unfortunately, Daniel and some of his Jewish buddies, they had just recently been made magi in Babylon. So Daniel and his friends turned to God overnight, and they're crying out to God, praying for help. Well, during the night, God answers their prayers. It's great to read through this book of Daniel, all the details, but God answers their prayers, and he tells Daniel the king's dream, and then he gives him the mystery to the dream. So Daniel goes, he tells the king the dream and the interpretation of it, which in so many words, he tells Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom is coming to an end, and an inferior kingdom will rise up and will take its place. Now, here's what it says in 2 Daniel chapter 48. Listen up. It's key. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. Now, what was that high position? He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. I mean, that's in charge of the Magi. Daniel chapter 5, verse 11 says that Nebuchadnezzar appointed Daniel as chief of the magicians, meaning chief of the Magi. So now we know that Daniel is living in Babylon. He loves God with all his heart. We know from reading that book of Daniel that Daniel lived his faith out loud and fearless. It would be like one of you becoming mayor of New York City, you would eventually be hanging Red Sox banners all over the place, right? And you'd be saying crazy things like, Ted Williams is, is better than Babe Ruth, you know? Well, once in this high position, highly likely Daniel begins to share his faith with the Magi, because he's head of the Magi, right? And he tells them that, hey, this story about there's one God. It's not like this egg hatched on the ocean. It's not like there's the sun and these planets and we worship them. It's not like, you know, this animal mated with this animal. We no, no, there's this one God, and he made us in his image, and he loves us. 
And, 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 and in the very beginning, our ancestors, they, they turn on them and they sinned, and, and the penalty for that sin was death, was meaning it was the ending of their relationship with God, and they would perish. But God, who had breathed his spirit into them and made them in his own image, the one God, made, made them like him. He loved them. And so he set out then to send his son to give his life so that there would be a payment for those sins and they and we and all of us could be reconciled with God in eternity. And that was a great message Daniel was sharing, huh? And then Daniel shared with them the prophecies about this coming Savior who would save the world. Daniel told them that when this Savior was born into the world, there would be a sign in the heavens and that sign would be a star. Cool stuff. Much of what I'm telling you here as far as Nebuchadnezzar, the dates, Babylonia, it's all world history. Now, don't forget these magis were experts in art, astrology. They were interested in it. They were studying it. They'd spent their whole lives around it. So when Daniel tells them, when they see this star rising out of Israel, that this would be the sign of God's promised Messiah, they are interested in this. And they passed that on to the other magi, and magi in the coming years. And so from the time Daniel is a magi to when Jesus is born, it, you got about 500 years past. And these Gentile, non-Jews magi, we see they were eagerly anticipating and waiting for the sign of the star which would announce the coming of the Savior, the King of the Jews, if you will. Now, why did they do this? Because the magi did not want to miss God. The Magi were expecting great things from God. This is simple, but it's not simplistic. Simplistic is it's not effective, it's nonsense. Simple is, it's simple, but it's true, it's just powerful. You can do this, you can believe this, you can understand this. Don't miss God this morning. Expect great things from God this morning. He has found you, as Bill said, God's found you this morning. Know him now, find him this morning. Don't miss God today. So the, the day finally comes, right? These expert astrologers see something that's different, that's amazing, that's captivating in the sky. The star finally appears in the sky. Now we don't have a ton of details about the star. We know it was seen, these men and women who were studying the skies and had maps were like, wow, this was never here. We're looking at maps, beyond maps and maps, going back hundreds of years, maybe more, and now there's a star there, and it's where they said it was going to be, and it's moving. Star, it's moving. It's guiding us. It's leading us. It must be the star that that prophet Balaam talked about, that Daniel told us about 500 years ago. So we read in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? They're in Jerusalem, so they're asking the Jews this question. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So the Magi knew that the star would mean the Messiah has come, the one that Daniel told them about. And they knew that he would be a ruler, of Israel, so naturally they go to the capital of Israel, Jerusalem, and they just figure, you know, when they get there, everyone will know that the Messiah has come, and they'll just ask, where is this child 
that's been born, the king of the Jews. Because, I mean, just ask anyone, because everyone is going to know this and believe in this. But surprisingly, as they go about and ask these Jews, they realize that these Jews were not eagerly anticipating the coming of their, this star. They, they were not in this place of looking for their Messiah. They were, they were not eagerly anticipating the star in the sky. You see, two different responses here, very different responses to the appearing of the star in the sky, which announced the Savior of the world, the King of the Jews. The Magi came to Jesus as quick as they could. They bowed down to him. They worshiped him. The Jewish people at that time and that day, on the other hand, they were completely indifferent. They had not been watching for the sign of a star. They did not care that the Magi said it had appeared, because we see they, the Magi is telling them, it's here. They were apathetic. They were preoccupied. They missed Jesus. Herod misses Jesus. The teachers of the law, the chief priests miss Jesus. The people are missing Jesus. Now, when I say miss Jesus or missing Jesus, that's a comprehensive statement, right? Some of you, you can kind of easily relate to it. You can put some pictures in your head. Some of you, not too much. You might not grasp it. You, you, I don't even know if you warm up to it, right? Not everybody in here believes in God, huh? And some to different degrees. But let me break it down for you a bit. Let me tell you what I believe they missed when I say they missed Jesus. I believe they missed the core components of what life is about. They missed what's most important in life, which are, what, which are the f foundational components of a family, meaning the to any healthy, growing relationship, which is they missed love, grace, intimacy, and empowering, empowerment. Yeah. They, love, to, to love and to be loved. Every healthy relationship, every family, a strong family, mom, dad, anything, single moms, every healthy, growing family needs love. People want to love and to be loved, to be accepted. It's interesting here that the book of Matthew, after this kind of what they call a genealogy, which is a long list of the family history of Jesus, it sort of begins talking about foreigners, which is huge, because Matthew's writing to Jewish people. And it kind of just about begins in chapter 2 with this story about foreigners, magi. It's as if God is saying, all are accepted, all are loved. We want to love, and we want to be loved. Then grace. What's grace? Forgiveness. We, we, want, we need to forgive, and we want to be forgiven. Intimacy. To know someone and to be known. To have transparency. No secrets. To truly know someone. Th that's intimacy. I think people have a, a lot of distortions and there's variations with intimacy, but this is intimacy. And I want you to know that this is not, wasn't, well, I shouldn't say that it wasn't derived from Christianity or the Bible. I will tell you that this really is supported and taught in academic circles in the areas of psychology and mental health. That this, as human beings, this is what we need for healthy relationships. Love, grace, intimacy, and empowering. What's empowering? 
to serve and to be served, to serve those you love, to have them serve you. And when you do that, you're empowering them. That's what King Herod missed. That's what the Jewish teachers of the law missed. That's what the people were missing when they missed Jesus that day. That's what we missed when we missed Jesus. But today, you don't got to miss Jesus, huh? What was the star pointing the Magi towards? It was pointing the Magi to the greatest source of love, grace, intimacy, and empowerment that the world had ever known, ever. And all that in an infant. All that in the act of God wrapping himself in human flesh and becoming a baby. The star was pointing them to Jesus, God coming to earth is a poor infant to give his life so that you and I would have life and life abundantly. Sadly, many missed it, though some did not. Today, this Christmas season, do not miss Jesus. Know him. Know that God has led you to him as he did the Magi. And as the Magi worshiped him, I invite you today to worship God with all your heart, and with all your mind. Worship team, why don't you come on up? This is what Christmas is about. This is Christmas, God pouring out his love. God pouring out his grace. God becoming intimate with us that we could know him and we're known by him. And God empowering us, God serving us by sending his son into the world. And Jesus says the son of man did not come to be served but to serve others. What a glorious, wonderful God we have, huh? There's no other deity like this. In the history of the world, through all the writings and all the stories, through all the gods that are thought and idols, no, there's no God like this. Love, grace, intimacy, empowerment, and that's what we need. That's mental health, that's emotional health, that's strength, that's life, that's relationships. Our God, our Jesus is about relationships, yes? That's what we have. We have a relationship with a living and a loving God. Jesus came into this world over 2,000 years ago. Time flies, huh? And he came to take upon the penalty of our sins, my sins. And he did that in keeping with God's promises. You see, forgiveness is now available to all of us. Meaning we can be right with God. We can be intimate with God. We can know that grace from God. And we can there know the totality of our, the love of God. So the question is this morning, what will be your response? Will you be indifferent like those persons in the time that Jesus was born? I mean, you know, you're, you're so busy with all the details of life, and some of them are admirable and good and reasonable, but at the end of the day, in this Christmas season and in your life, you're just not going to have the time to pause and consider Jesus, to focus on Jesus. Or will you be like the Magi? Huh? accepting Jesus as God's promised Savior. Savior for the world, but your Savior, the one who saves you, the one who rescues you. So can I ask you today, what are you going to choose? Preoccupation, indifference, or the worship 
of Jesus, the one who came to save you? Will you choose love? I mean love, I mean real love. Will you choose grace, forgiveness, and being, and being able to forgive? Not on your own, not just intellectually, but spiritually, because that's what it is. Love, where's, how does intellect bring us love? How does intellect bring the desire to be forgiven? This is spiritual. Why not tap into the source that brings us that, that, that breathed his spirit into us so that we would, of all the creations, desire to be loved, desire for grace and forgiveness, desire intimacy, and desire to be served? Why not turn to that God today? Why don't you stand with me as we close out? William Carey, he's a, just a, a very known, and I'm just going to say great missionary to India years ago. He said this. He said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Huh? I would encourage you today, if you've not already, to bow your heart to Jesus today. It's just simply the only appropriate response for who he was and for what he's done. I hope this Christmas, as you put that star on the tree, as you look at every star on every tree, when you look at it, you will remind you, be reminded that that is the star that says God's Savior, the Savior of the world has come, that that is the star that led these men, these magi, to come and worship Jesus, that that's the star. When I see it, I see love, I see grace, I see intimacy, I see empowerment. And most of all, above all, when I see that star, I see eternal life. My sin's forgiven, and, and I am reconciled with God. So today, I pray with you, and if you would pray within yourself as I'm speaking, that if you want to bow your heart to Jesus, today if you want to know Jesus as your Savior, today you can even begin to worship him, even as I'm speaking. Today you can tell God that you need him, you can thank him that he sent Jesus into this world, that at this time, in this day, in this moment, you could know God intimately and you could be filled with hope and peace. And today you could tell Jesus that you're going to trust him and you want to live your life for him. In Jesus' name, amen.